The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Then the Jews began to complain about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They were saying, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, Do not complain among yourselves. No one can come to me unless drawn by the Father who sent me, and I will raise that person up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except the one who is from God, who has seen the Father. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever, and the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the Holy Trinity, one God. Amen. Amen. Sometimes we find it difficult to understand what the gospel is saying to us, or for that matter, any reading from Scripture. And I was especially struck by this when I was doing my field ed in seminary. I was at a church about this size. And what we came to realize was that in that parish, we had seminary professors who were writing commentaries on the Scripture. And we also had people who were really unchurched and had no idea how these stories fit together at all. And I remember I, I was leading a class of uh, new members, people who were uh, being orient, orientated to the church. And one woman said to me, you know, I just don't get what these stories are about. <laughs> well, I don't think that's terribly uncommon. And one of the things that I think we need to remember and remind ourselves of when we read scripture, when we're reading the Gospels, we are becoming immersed in another culture and we are going into another worldview. One of the ways that it can be helpful to deal with this is by uh, considering three perspectives as we uh, think about the gospel in particular. The first being uh, the, the story or the account that's being read. What's happening around Jesus? What's going on in that uh, situation? And the second is the community to which that gospel is written and the writer of that gospel. What are the issues that are being dealt with in the community that receives that gospel and hears it perhaps for the first time? And then the most important, what does it mean to us? What difference does any of this make in our lives? So I'd like to use the, uh, the gospel text this morning as the basis for that kind of analysis. And hopefully you will find it helpful. I hope I find it helpful. <laughs> First, 
the situation surrounding Jesus. Preceding this gospel reading, Jesus fed the 5,000. And, you know, what an amazing miracle that was. All of them gathered there, and it was just miraculous how this bread and the fishes were available to all. All of them gathered there together. And then uh, the disciples and Jesus went across the lake to the other side, and the people were so excited about what had happened that they, too, go to the other side and they meet him there. And apparently in the course of all of this, uh, uh, the crowd, now more identified as the Judeans, were talking with one another and arguing about what had happened, about what Jesus had said, and about who he was. For they said, we know his mother and his father. And yet he says he's the bread that came down from heaven. They, of course, had the idea of bread coming down from heaven as a part of their history, their story. They remember the ancestors talking about and retelling the story of the manna from heaven that sustained them in the wilderness. And here was Jesus standing before them, saying that he was the bread come down from heaven. And then what was also troubling is that he seemed to use that very particular phrase, I am. Uh, a, a, uh, the phrase is used for the name of God. And so they argued among themselves, how could this possibly be this Jesus we know? One of the things that I have uh, often thought about, especially in more recent years, as I've preached through the Gospels, is that I think if I had lived in Jesus' time, I would have doubted Jesus. And I say that because I'm pretty much an institution guy. I've been in uniforms from the time I graduated college. And I'm a creature of my culture, just as the Judeans were creatures of their culture. So I think I would have had a hard time, and I might have rejected Jesus. But Jesus in this gospel lesson also reminds us that it is not our understanding that brings us to him. But rather, it is God. It is God that energizes our faith. I frankly think it's a miracle that you are here this morning, especially as humid as it is. God has brought you here. It is no accident. You are here because God has energized your faith. And so perhaps there would even be hope for me, perhaps to be like Nicodemus, to come to Jesus in the night where they wouldn't see me but maybe eventually to have the faith that would allow me to stand at the foot of the cross. Now, what about John's community, the Johannine community, the community that he was writing to? It seems that the text is pointing to a couple of possibilities with regard to issues in that community, one being their understanding of the Eucharist. Remember, this is very early in the development of the uh, church. So, the whole idea of the Eucharist was perhaps something they were struggling to understand, especially as different ideas were coming in. Now, this is centuries before the struggles over transubstantiation and the real presence. But it was something that seemed to be working in that community because they must have wondered, what does it mean when Jesus says, whoever eats this bread will live forever? And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The New Testament scholar 
Ray Brown, has suggested that from a Hebrew perspective, the idea of this put forth in this idiom of eating flesh and drinking blood was not nearly as offensive as it might sound to us, because it seems to indicate accepting the whole person. And so part of what Jesus might have been saying that day to those Judeans was to accept him as a whole person, all of him. It also seems that John's community was struggling with uh, the idea of who they were as a people. Remember, this gospel was written toward the end of the first century or the beginning of the second century. And this is after the destruction of the temple in 70 A.D. And the Jewish community, you can imagine, was in turmoil. And now there is this sect of Judaism that is following a Nazare- a, a, a somebody from Nazareth who is just a, a, a transient rabbi by the name of Jesus. And they think he's the Messiah. How do we understand them? Can we accept them? Can they be still considered Jews? Can they be part of our community? All of that must have been embroiled in the feelings of the people as they were trying to understand who they were as Christians and who they were as Jews. Perhaps uh, at this point, it's important for us also to remember that when we read the Gospel of John, it can sound very anti-Semitic. And we uh, probably can lay some of the fault to the translators who allowed their biases and their prejudices to come into the translation over the centuries. But John was a Jew writing to Jews about a Jewish community that was trying to understand who they were as Christians. It was not anti-Semitic to them. John's community was most likely struggling to understand how do we find our way forward in such a difficult and complicated community. I think they also struggled with that whole idea of what eternal life meant. What does it mean? What does it mean to us? You know, we hear it over and over again. We hear it at funeral services. And it's really hard for us, I think, to get our mind around all that. But Jesus seems to be saying that eternity is now. Eternal life is now. It's to be lived out now. So what might this gospel have for us today? As I think about the questions that we're facing the Johannine community, I think that the questions really haven't changed much. Many times I have had conversations with people, especially after the death of a loved one, wondering about eternal life. What does that mean? I've also had many conversations about the meaning of the Eucharist. What happens in the Eucharist? How do we understand that? And I think those questions persist, but I think it's possible for us to find in this gospel something for us to hold on to. Jesus says that he offers eternal life to us now. And that life is life that is not quantitatively different, but it is qualitatively different. We hear the phrases about abundant life. It doesn't mean more of good things, but it means a different kind of life, a life that's transformed, a life that is infused with the spirit of God. And those lives are also transformative to other lives. And that is what we as Christians are called to. I also know that we struggle with what we uh, understand to be the Eucharist and sharing in communion. 
And I've often thought that on any given Sunday morning, there would be no two ideas the same in this church. I think we all from time to time and even from Sunday to Sunday might have a different understanding of what we think is happening when we gather for the Eucharist. For the record, we in the Episcopal Church believe in the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist. But we haven't tried to explain how Christ is present. There have been some who have written about that and tried to do that early on in the Reformation. But generally speaking, we say we don't understand how, but we believe it is true that Christ is truly present when we celebrate the Eucharist. But I think there's something else that uh, we should uh, consider as we think about coming together for communion. We in the Episcopal Church believe that when we gather for the Eucharist, when we come together to receive communion, we are forming community. Community is being formed in the act of the thanksgiving that is the Eucharist and in coming together to share in communion. In other traditions, such as the Roman Catholic tradition, the Missouri Synod Lutheran tradition that I'm familiar with, especially in the Midwest, it means something quite different. People coming together there for the Eucharist are coming as signifying that they are community, that they are members of that community. And so if one is not a member, one is not generally invited to participate. So you see the difference in the two understandings. In our understanding, we come together and form community Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. And in some other traditions, it's an expression of the community that has been formed. Well, one of the things that I think is so important in our understanding is that this table is not my table. It is not Trinity Church's table. It's not an Episcopal table. It is the Lord's table. And when we gather there, we become community. We become the body of Christ, present with the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist. I have one final thought about what this might mean for us. Earlier uh, in this gospel, uh, Jesus talks about, uh, or rather, when, when we look at John's gospel overall, we see Jesus entering into dialogue like he does with the Judeans in this story in order to get into relationship with them, to have a real relationship with them. And I think that that is at the very heart of what it is to be a Christian. This morning, we're going to uh, have the privilege of baptizing Adeline. Adeline has been born into a loving family. She knows what love is. She already has an idea of what it is to live as a Christian. Because I think at its essence, what it is to be a Christian is to love. It begins with love and it ends with love. So today we will celebrate with her the love that is shared in that family with grandparents The beginning of understanding of what it is to be present in the love of God. But we also hope that eventually Adeline will come into relationship with the author of that love. Jesus Christ, the righteous, the one who lived and died for her, for you and for me. And may that love permeate all of our lives. May it give us life and life eternal. 
and may we celebrate it every time we gather at this table or any other of the Lord's tables as we gather there and become the body of Christ, present with the body of Christ. Amen.